Hello and welcome to FGC Philosophy. Doing this podcast live today just because I wanted to have a little bit of fun and actually interact maybe afterwards a tiny bit. Uh, but yeah, this is where we level up inside and outside the virtual arena. My name is Tavian, the philosopher Napier, and I've done a lot of things life coaching, uh, competi- competing, not to the highest degree, uh, commentary game development, so many things in the gaming world, but ultimately I love video games, but I also love personal development. So I found a way to combine those two worlds and specifically for the FGC, but now it's kind of been expanding. So I talk about topics as generally as possible, but I love the fighting game community. That's that's basically the community that has helped me grow as an individual. So that's the one that I, I mainly focus on. Uh, and today's topic is going to be another uh, abstract topic of sorts. It's around the idea of vigilance or mental vigilance, and I'll elaborate a little bit more in a little in a, just a second. Uh, I'm going to try as much as possible not to stumble over my words, but sleep usually helps with that, and I haven't done that as much as I should. Nonetheless, I got a guest. He's in the Discord call, so I'm going to unmute and allow you guys to get to know him as well. Got to make sure I fix his volume. All right, we are here. So go ahead and uh, tell us a little about, bit about yourself and what your name is. All right. There we go. Welcome. <laughs> nice. What's up? I am... They call me Cake Monster. Uh, I have... <laughs> just what they call it. It's a long story. We'll go into that. Okay. Uh, we'll go into that later. Um, but uh, basically, I've been in and out of the FGC since I was a kid, uh, back from playing in local stores and fighting games to um, now where I've participated in a few Tekken tournaments, looking to looking to just continue to sharpen my skills in that specific arena, as well as other fighting games. Um, I'm also a streamer. And so I thought that, you know, being invited on here was great because I think that I have a lot to offer in the realm of your topic for the today cool yeah i'm glad you said you were a competitor i'm i was fairly certain you competed yourself but i could not remember so uh, that'll work very nicely but yeah how so how did you get the name cake monster exactly okay so let's go back to halo days um <laughs> way back in the halo days i was notorious for always talking on the phone to a friend quote quote air quote double air quote um and so they always said I was caking while I was playing. And then it just kind of went from that to Cake Monster. And it went Cake it went cake Master Flex to Cake Master to Cake Monster. So now it's just Cake Monster. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So I don't understand that term. What What is caking? I'm assuming I know what it means, but I'm not sure. All right. So caking is when, like, you talking on the phone. It's like, you know, when you hang out with the boys and your girl call, but it ain't, you know, you're not married or anything. Yet. Well, you married, <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, okay. But you like, you like, hey, girl, how you doing? Oh, my God, I'm glad you had a good day. And they're like, bro, quit caking. You got to focus. Look, look. Oh, I got like Mackin. Yeah, like Mackin. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from, uh, I was born in New Jersey. So that, I think that was a term they used. I wasn't very hip with the lingo because I was, uh, <laughs> I was a recluse, but uh, I had an older brother that also like how do you're about are you about 30 ish yeah 35 okay okay yeah you're around my age then so 80s 80s 90s yeah so okay interesting interesting uh halo 2 halo 1 uh halo 1 halo 1 was when we had the we didn't have the massive like live so we had lands where we had like a a big switch that one friend brought and we all we had about 300 feet worth of cord going upstairs to the main room 
downstairs to the basement, mm -hmm. one going to my room, and all of us brought our TVs. Uh, my mom thought we were crazy, but we were like gamers to the core. I'd have about eight to 10 friends over at the house playing because we were just about it. Yeah, I miss those days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so funny story, like I used to go by Omega Big Mac as my gamer tag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got you got to tell me how that name came about. You know, it was like a it's a stupid story because like the Omega side of it, I used to I played Diablo like religiously, Diablo one and Diablo two, uh, and I joined a clan called Omega, and I couldn't I wasn't even in high school at the time, but then I think my first year of high school I was riding the bus or middle school or something like that. There was like this older kid, and I was eating like a breakfast sandwich, like you know those microwavable like Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches, those kind of things, sausage egg and cheese. Hey, hey. When you were a kid, those were on point. They, they were so good. Oh, my goodness. That was, like, luxury. <laughs> but, like, I was eating one of those, and this idiot kid thought I was eating a Big Mac. And, like, for some reason, everyone after that in high school called me Big Mac. And, like, I could not I – could, I couldn't make it not skip or, like, not not uh, stick. So, like, there's only a handful of people that I knew personally. And it, it didn't really bother me, but I was like, why? No. Like, the, the reason was more stupid than the actual name itself. So then after a while, I was like, screw it. That'll be my gamer tag. So I went by Omega Big Mac because my clan tag and my gamer tag. And so I, like, I still, to this day, have like my, my gamer account, my gamer email is omegabigmac.hotmail.com. And I had a, I had a, I still have an AIM, an AOL Instant Messenger as well. <laughs> yeah. So what, what got you into fighting games? Like what was the origin story of how you got into fighting games? Street Fighter 2, Turbo, Super Nintendo me and my cousins would play unconsciously for hours and hours and hours because in our mind me personally i was a kin player my cousin was a ryu player and our third cousin was a blanca player and we had this just rivalry within us that was like yo i'm i'm the best player at this game i'm the best and it just translated across every single game Every single game from Street Fighter 2 Turbo forward, mm -hmm. uh, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike, Capcom vs. SNK, Capcom vs. SNK 2 EO, Marvel vs. Capcom 1, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, like we, uh, Marvel Superheroes, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, X-Men Children of the Atom, yeah. like every single game, there was a competition between all of us. And then we had our older cousin that jumped in, we had other cousins, it became like the family thing to be like, there was two things. Who was the best bowler in the family and who was the best fighting game player in the family? And I couldn't always win best bowler, but I for sure was getting best fighter. <laughs> hey, that's sick. So then what, what introduced you to the FTC? Um, it was right when, um, right when Tech and Tag dropped and um, also when I, I was playing DOA. So I was going to my local gaming store um, this place called Game Hits that always sold like they had the red anything up to current from retro consoles to new, and they would have these weekly tournaments where you could win gift mm. cards and stuff like in-game store credit. Yeah, smart. And and that's yeah, that's before I knew the logistics <laughs> in my mind. Like, bro, if I had a store that had in-game store credit, then technically I'm not losing money while everybody's going in and you know that's paying. big brain five dollars you know we'd have 15 to 20 people come in and at the time i was a workaholic mm. so like i'd go to school get out of work get go to school go to work get out of get out of work and go and he's like i know you're always going to show up late so just so you know anytime you come in you got to run a gauntlet so i was used to that level of pressure where i'd have to go in and face 10 people 
because if I didn't, and I, if I lost any one of that, any one of those matches, I would have to, I'd be, I'd be out, or I'd be in the loser bracket, and it's such a hard climb from the loser bracket because I basically had to go through everybody that already lost. So I basically came in with a loss. So either I lost and I was done, or I lost and I was given another chance. Hmm. Most of the time, if I lost, I was done. So the first couple times I did it, I got smoked. And then I, I literally got the game, started labbing, started playing, and then slowly but surely made it to the point where I was the person to beat. If I came in, people just were like, man. <laughs> That's cool. And so it was, uh, what made you interested in Tekken? Was it that tournament or was it something else? Like, what do you like about it? Um, For Tekken, it was, at the time, man, to me, it just had such a good array of characters and a good diversity. And it had things that I could really jump into and play with. I I mean, first chance, I mean, first player I played with was probably Law. Um, mm-hmm. Law and then Lei Wulong. Um... I actually really didn't get my hands on playing Brian until Tekken 7. Until then, I was rot- I would rotate between uh, uh, Bruce Irving, Huang, Lei Wulong. Okay. What's interesting is I play Brad Wong in DOA. And the people keep nah. telling me to play Lei, and I just... I feel like the transition's not going to be as no. smooth as I'd like. No. Like, he looks it's like different. he plays differently, even though he has the same fighting style. I don't think... I don't know how to explain it to people, but... I'll try him one day. He's a cool well, character. He looks cool. Well, and the thing with Brad Wong is he is a very, he's a full fluid drunken master. Yes. His whole persona, kit, style, it's all drunken, mood, drunken style. Yeah. All, whereas Lei is like, Kung I Fu. Can, I, I'll, I'll partially get into it for a hot second, but I'm going to go ahead and switch to this tiger stance, switch to this bear stance, switch mm-hmm. to the snake stance. So, oh, so he's basically Udyr. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That makes sense. League of Legends players. I forgot you played League too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's my mainstream. Um, I'm on this close to gold. I'm so close. It's so frustrating. Nice. I made it to I made it to promos last night, mm. and then one one two lost two lost three. So, so I had, so, oh. so I so once you if you lose promos they set they reset you down mm-hmm. so many points, and then you can either win one and be back in promos or you lose and then the climb is twice as hard. So. I lost, and then I lost two more times. So now I have to win, I think, three or four mm-hmm. to get to promos. But because I made it the first time, they give you a win. Yep, that's nice. You're So you're in your promos to get into gold, right? Yes. Okay, that's best three out of five. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is pretty nerve-wracking. I um, I haven't been grinding as much as I used to, but when I was working at Western, that was the one game I played outside of fighting games. And I grinded my way to gold. Um, That was that was pretty fun. That was pretty nice. I felt like I that was... Well earned. It's easier to get uh, gold in Street Fighter than it is to get it in League for me. Jeez, but um, yeah. So you play jungle, right? Yes. Okay. Oh man, that's such a bummer because I I mean jungle as well, so that like, and we're about the same skill level, but uh, I'd have to play like support or something in order to queue with you. Oh no, I'd rotate. I'd rotate. I'd rotate to mid to mid or top or support as oh, long okay. as I'm not ABC. I. <laughs> that's basically my philosophy. My best two roles happen to be uh, support and jungle. And jungle is just a roaming support, basically. Support or carry. Uh, yep. The way I play, anyway. Well, I mean, in general, the jungler is is a, the is team support. Mm-hmm. Because you, you go in, like I was explaining this to somebody um, a couple streams ago. Sometimes when you play jungle, your goal isn't to get the kill, but to exhaust resources. Like, you go yep. in, they get freaked get the out, flash. they flash, mm-hmm. boom. Or, or they think they can fight you, so they ignite, but they can't kill you. So now they've wasted an ignite. So now when 
year later comes back i'm like bro no ignite you can go in if you want and i have that worry of oh he's gonna burn me to death hmm so un unrelated to, to the main topic of tonight but i'm curious to know like what similarities in terms of like mindset have you noticed that transfer over to both games in street fighter or uh, in fighting games and in league of legends if at all oh uh the the idea the idea of of losing and coming back so if you could put a fight like fighting game in comparison to league of legends Every time you fight somebody, that's a fight. That's all your rounds. It's a one. It's a one round. You either win or you lose or you draw, and you do this repeatedly and over the course of twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes, however long that match lasts. Mm -hmm. And you have to constantly think about what you can do, what you can't do, how much damage they're putting out, how much damage you're putting out. If I'm gonna lose, do I have an escape plan? Um, do I have backup? Is this gonna turn into a tag battle, quote unquote? Or is this going to be a one a one v one that I need to finish quickly to prepare for the next fight? With you know, it's like playing sir. Some modes you could consider some parts of League a survival mode. You'll finish off a fight and somebody else will come in and you're like round two and you didn't get any health back. You didn't get any special items. Mm. You just you're just where you're at and you're like, okay, either I take this fight or I do what I can to get away from this fight. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. It kind of makes me think of uh, Injustice or something like that a little bit with the health bar situation that you described. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I will say playing fighting games and coming back from like a low, like a life deficit, uh, that is entirely possible in League of Legends as well. It just seems, for me personally, like the execution mechanical skills of it has come a little bit more slowly. But as I've been maining one character and actually getting really good with them, uh, you realize that there's a lot of strategy that you can implement uh, or counter strategy in order to beat your opponent and then sometimes it's just like retreating or going to a, a teammate or baiting them into a tower or something like that because like you have stuns i have cc so you can do certain things uh, plus we both have uh, shield buffs so it's like using the tools that you have and like losing from a life winning from a life deficit uh figuring out that, that strategy that game plan um or knowing that you might just be overpowered and like just can destroy them with just a little bit of health uh it's good situational awareness yeah I definitely agree with that. The, I think the biggest thing that I've learned this season in league is how to properly gauge my my minimum and maximum resources uh, mm. ongoing throughout the game. Oh, uh, okay. Like when I when I first started playing this season, I can honestly say, um, I wasn't watching tutorials. I wasn't watching videos. I didn't have. I knew how to jungle, but I didn't take. I didn't take and turn the macros of jungling the concepts of you know knowing where to put wards to be aware of where your jungler is knowing the spacing you need between engaging and disengaging knowing you know what resources they have and don't have um knowing you know cooldowns and abilities you know there's certain champs that if i'm jungling against them they're 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 unless it's somebody that does something just off the cuff mm -hmm. their their jungle pattern is it's like memorized like I'll be playing, I'll be like, oh, okay, this is a Warwick. He does he does fairly good clears on single on single targets versus targets. It's a little bit harder. He takes a little bit more time. I'm gonna go single, 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 which is red, blue, Gromp. It's a three. It's a three, three camp level three clear. But it gives me plenty of time to either a invade his jungle because by that time, if he's done too much, he's low, or he's at half health, which gives me the advantage. 
um, I can steal via smite. So I'll save a smite. I'll, I'll, they call it slow clear because you're not using smite. But mm -hmm. I call it advantage clear because I have a smite available. So while this Warwick is busted his smite over on his side of the camp, when I come over to the red, he's still got 30 seconds before his smite comes up or 15 seconds before his smite comes up. Mine is ready. And I'm just sitting in the thing watching him fight red. Mm. And I'm like, yep, and smite, and stun. All right, cool, that's two hits. Boom, tiger, three, four, five. Okay, conqueror proc, I'm now going to get healing. Now I can actually do a sustained fight with him because I heal for 15% of my damage, whereas if he's not if he's not playing it right, he'll go into rage mode where he increases his attack speed, but I stun him before he finishes. I leave with maybe 30 or 40 health, he's dead. I switch into turtle stance, hit something, get some health back, make my way, make my rounds. But now I've gotten the jungle advantage, the smite advantage, the river buff, the, the river crab advantage. And now my team has secured vision in the top river. I immediately head to the bottom river because I'm going to have to fight him again immediately. But because I didn't use any of my smites, I still have a smite up by the time he gets there. So now he's fighting me again and, and I'm at a smite advantage because I didn't smite at all. In the jungle. Huh. I like that. Yeah, you have a character that kind of complements that too. That's interesting. Yeah. I might be able to do that with with her. With Vi. I'm thinking about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. But yeah. that that actually ties pretty nicely into the main topic, as a matter of fact. Uh, because the main topic is indeed vigilance or mental vigilance. And uh, I want to make sure like the listeners are on the same page as well. So I have the actual description and then we can kind of go into it a little bit deeper. But it's the action or state of keeping careful watch of possible danger and difficulties. Uh, for example, security duties that demand long hours of vigilance, which means you're actively thinking about the things that can harm you or in the case of a fighting game uh, or a, a game like League of Legends, lose. Um, I think that's an incredibly important topic to discuss because it's not really... Uh, I don't see people talking about it very blatantly but they do in a roundabout way and sometimes they try to say like obviously like anti-airing they're not saying you know be vigilant or anything like that but they are saying you have to watch for the anti-air uh, but i think since there's no actual word to the action sometimes things get lost in translation and it's like okay i know i'm supposed to anti-air but uh how are you training it properly how are you like are you act actively keeping it in your mind uh while also being vigilant for other things because there's a, a give and a take there depending on your level of experience in, in your example, you know, League of Legends is a great game to talk about this because it is a very mentally taxing game because of the macro and the micro play. Uh, there's so many things to keep in mind and they're not all things that you have to think about during the entirety of the match. It may just be very specific, like, you know, uh, neutral monster, neutral creeps, neutral camps, stuff like that. Um, they have a timer. You have to be aware of them and know to check on them, but they pop up in different, different situations. The way you fight in a team fight versus how you fight uh, depending on like who's who's there. Uh, there's so many more characters on screen that you have to think about the matchup and where to be. Like if a Morgana's on the screen, you need to make sure you're not in her line of sight for her her stun, her snare. Uh, like just so many things. And it it's challenging to keep it all in your mind, especially while you're stressed. So there's this challenge of how do I keep things at top of mind so that I play at my best. Um, so I'm curious from your point of view and just in terms of the definition, in terms of how I described it, you know, how, how do you deal with that challenge so far? 
Uh, trials and tribulations. So, mm. <laughs> um, to me, uh, I think the the time I've spent getting the experience in the individual matchups, um, in addition to paying, I have to pay attention to all the lanes. I think that's also an important thing. Um, being mindful of who can come from behind you or who's in versus who's in front of you mm-hmm. is almost more important because I can see, okay, in front of me, he's got this skill, this ability. He's okay. It's Warwick. He's got the taunt. He can ramp up and chase me if I do try to get away because he can activate bloodlust and increases movement speed. So I know that if I start this fight, I either better be ready to finish it or I have to have an escape to another teammate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even using the simple commands of, Hey, assist me. And so that they at least know. I'll throw like three assists out. So one to mid, one to mid, two to top, like assist, assist, assist. So that they know, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going in. If you get pushed or if you have priority on the rotation, come over. And I, I have no problem baiting him over to you because I know you'll either finish the job and keep me alive, or I'll die and you'll finish the job. Um the biggest thing to take into account with having that is you don't get it, especially in a game like League, you don't get it overnight. You can read, you can watch all the videos you want, and they help to gain a, like a forethought on it. But until you're actually in the situation, you don't learn how to handle it mm-hmm. until you're there. So for you, how would you... So let's say a situation happens. Like you ever have a situation where you are familiar with it but for some reason you still don't react to it properly uh and it mainly has to do with just you forgot about the situation like have you ever had a time where you forgot something that you already know and then got punished for it 100 <laughs> percent. so i guess from your experience how how do you uh currently if at all like go about handling that kind of situation because everyone learns a little bit differently and like one of the things i try to emphasize throughout all my episodes is that uh, everyone brain, everyone's brain works a little bit differently, but I think it's important for us to be able to pull from everyone else's different experiences because your solution is definitely going to be different from mine versus somebody else versus somebody else. So that's kind of where I'm coming with this. Like, I'm not expecting anyone to have the surefire one way to answer it, but just wanted to preface that. Um, I understand it happens. It's something that I forgot. So mm-hmm. I accept, I accept that. Yeah, I should not have went in there. He has a back. He can get back. Um, I didn't see if his flash was busted. I didn't bust his flash. Um, got me killed, you know, throw out some sorries to the teammates. Like, hey, I know I was a little deep there. I know it was a risky move. It was a, definitely a risk reward kind of assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just you just bounce back because mm-hmm. in a game like that, you can't you cannot let one death ruin your mental because that's that's how tilting happens. Tilting happens when that when that one death you let override all the good things that you can do with the rest of the game. And it's a very common theme in League. Somebody dies, you know, three times in the first five minutes and the first thing they usually type is GG. (laughs) Yeah, they give up. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people struggle with taking accountability for their emotions and their thoughts. Because uh, what you're talking about, it sounds like accountability, like taking accountability for the mistake that you made, but not getting caught up, caught up in your feelings. Uh, because everyone wants to justify how they feel rather than trying to uh, think about things in a more productive way. It's like they're like, I'm mad. I'm mad about the situation. It's BS or I'm going to give up. I'm like, it's it's already over. There's no way of winning it uh, rather than trying to find a solution or or like holding themselves accountable. They just 
get caught up in just trying to uh, justify why they feel that way. I don't know. It's kind of interesting how many people do that. And it's not just kids. Like, it sounds like a very childish thing to do, but adults do it as well. I, I come across it all the time. What about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even, yeah, even in fighting games, you know, I've seen matches between people that I'm not going to say because I'm not about to put them on blast. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no. But I've seen it where they'll get they'll get two solid wins back to back mm-hmm. and then they will slip up on that third win and just it tanks them it tanks mm-hmm. them real quick because they in their mind they've already set their own loss conditions and it's really important that when you take a loss you take it you acknowledge it you accept it but you move on because you've got another fight you know that's a lot of things I've been seeing lately are the, you know, first to five, first to tens, first to 25s, first to 100s for Tekken. Yeah. And, and the level of uh, mental vigilant, vigilance that is required for that is is beyond astonishing because, you know, you could be 10-10 with somebody and they get two on you. Yeah. And all of a sudden your mental starts to play on you. You know, then it's 10-14, then it's 11-15, then it's 13-17. And you are you know, you take a win, but you lose twice and that carries all the way to the end. And next thing you know, it's, you know, 84, 84 to 99. Mm. And you're like, and you're like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to lose like this. I don't, I keep losing, but I'm not fixing anything. Right. Yeah. And you're not, and you know, you're not trying anything. You haven't experimented anything. Meanwhile, this person downloaded you 30 matches ago. (laughs) Been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, that gives me some. Uh, it's been a while since I've done like anything more than a first of ten, I guess, uh, that I've counted or kept track of. But yeah. I remember fighting this one Bison player from Grand Rapids, and he was my demon for the longest time. He would always beat me in tournament. Uh, I used to like, I, I would get to grand finals, and he would destroy me every time. If I ran into him in tournament, he'd beat me. Him or a Laura player. But I finally conquered the Laura player. Got to him. We played like casuals. We played like a first of 50 and I beat him like one time that night. And I was like, I, I remember because like I would beat him in a round because I'd be like, I'm going to try this and do it and then I'm going to beat him. And then I'd beat him. And then like the next round, he would have an answer to that and he would turn it around on me. And I'm like, bro, what is happening? And this guy just was so aware of the situation. It took me like a good year to study up the character and finally beat him in a tournament. Oh, man, it's 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 incredibly uh, rewarding to actually remember to pay attention to things. And that's that's actually a really good important topic to talk about is why why is vigilance important? Like why does it why does it matter? Why do you even need it? And the three main reasons that I can think of are that you objectively perform better, you objectively perform better more consistently, and you have the capability to learn faster. And I think for the last one, I think that one's really important because uh, the people that I was talking about who get caught up in their feelings, they they are so focused on, they're so distracted by their emotions that they don't see all of this useful information in front of them. They're, they're too caught up in like complaining about a character being OP or complaining about a player's play style or talking about how bad they are, how they don't learn. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay them. It's, you know, they're legitimate emotions and feelings. However, it's so common now that it just like, sometimes it gets to me. Either way, um personally those are the main three benefits that i've seen you know i'm curious to know if you know for you what other benefits to 
uh, practically, practically, actively being uh, <laughs> vigilant with with like what you're thinking, what you're doing. Um, it improves your future experience. Um, I think being being vigilant mm -hmm. require requires you to take loss. You know, being vigilant is kind of to me a, a double edged sword because you can be vigilant uh, and take hundreds of losses. Uh, a good example of this: um, me and Grand Kai play Tekken a lot. And objectively, he is definitely better than me. I can get wins on him, but I know that he's also taken the losses he's gotten to me with different strides than I've taken to him. And it was something I had to learn over time where I have to, me and him play each other so much that we know what each person is going to do. It's to the point where it is. it turns in from a simple game to a game of chess where we use the same character. We both use Brian. And it's, it's okay, well, if I, if I do, you know, you know down back three, it, it, that, does that give me enough space? Where's my space on that? What's my plus frames? Is there any plus frames? Do I have an advantage here? Is he just going to hit me with a light hit because he knows I'm going to try to do something heavy? Because me, I'm, I'm a big... I, I call I call my my style of Brian the the aggressive showman type because I will if I'm on you I will literally poke you to death because that's my style. Him he's more methodical. He will play around he will play around my play style and stomp and stomp me in very small areas, but those areas turn into big gaps. And he's learned and he's learned to adapt to other people and then use it against them. Like to me. He has this massive advantage on people when he plays them where if you play him too much and you guys are considered the same level he will overcome you because his adaptability is higher and the biggest thing is that relates to is vigilance to me mental vigilance is that mm -hmm. how what can i do to adapt to a losing game what can i do mentally to change my thought process maybe I'm so used to the same Brian strings, the same layout, the same set of kicks, the same way to get to, you know, a mm -hmm. uh, uh, upper to a corkscrew that you see it all. If you, you've seen it in the first three matches and we're playing the 10, what can I do to change that so that that way you don't know what I'm going to do next? Yeah, I have, I have to consistently get you off your game so I can stay on mine. Because if we start switching pace to you, I might be I might be in a rut because I can't adapt as fast as you can. Right. Hmm. And so, you know, taking that taking that idea and concept of adaptability um, and stringing it with mental vigilance, I feel like your ability to adapt when you are losing turns into what makes you push past that next person. Yeah. How are you utilizing that information? Yep. I mean, it's it's kind of like a two part question at the least because part of the question is what are you being vigilant for uh and then how are you using that information and how how useful is that information as well because like you know information for example could be you know what patterns are you noticing and then when you say patterns what do you mean like what movement patterns are they doing what tendencies do they have what block strings do they use what are they doing on wake up most consistently because like you can 
you can boil it down to like a fine science depending on how you think or it could be very very abstract it could be like okay every single time i've been knocked down uh from this combo they did this thing um they've only done anything else one time so there's like a 90 percent chance you know that they'll do this move or one in ten chance that they'll do this move because they've knocked me down 10 times they've only done it once uh, now i have some odds to work with uh, you can do something like that and now you have okay you have this information now you can turn it into a strategy okay more than likely i can probably do this button score a knockdown and i also know that every time i do this knockdown they do this thing so instead what i'm going to do is after i do my move i'm going to do the knockdown and do a different thing to bait them out to do this other thing and so you can take that information flip it around and use it as a strategy or at least a test you know, it, obviously there's a, it's a test because you don't know if it's going to work or it's not because you don't know what for sure they're going to do. But you have odds to work with that it, it's not random. It's some sort of logic to it based off of how often something has happened. Uh, so you're being vigilant for certain information, but then you're converting that vigilant information into something that can be tested and then used against your opponent. Yes, that that is, yeah. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> it's because it's, 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 you know, like you said, it's everybody, everybody receives the same data in mm -hmm. certain situations, but how you use that data is the difference between you getting the advantage and not. Yeah, and I would argue that the information is, is displayed for them, but I don't know if people always receive that information, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, because like people get, people get mental blocks very fast in, mm -hmm. in, especially fighting games yeah people will people will definitely hit a mental block if you if you stop too much of what they're trying to do because you've seen it so many times yeah and you know like okay this is a five hit string but between hit two and three and between hit four and five i can stop it put you in the air and deal more damage to you than you just did yeah mentally sometimes people are like it turns from okay i need to change this to Oh, how did they do that? No, like, no, that definitely should have went through. No, that connected. I swore it connected. Bro, you're cheating. Are you hacking? No, you're a hacker. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I'm not look, smart, but I'm not hack smart. Yeah. <laughs> all, all they're doing now is trying to justify their loss. You know, it's like they're trying oh, yeah. to justify why they didn't win instead of actually looking around for that information. There's so many different reasons why people don't receive information, too. Uh, like, people don't have just genuine discipline to be like, okay. I'm going to look for this information. Some people don't think to do that. There's been times where I, I autopilot and I'm just playing, pressing buttons, doing what I know, uh, rather than consistently taking in information, you know, uh, being tired or diet and exercise are really basic examples, or they could be so caught up in their feelings that they, they don't have the capacity to look for that information, or they just could be, uh, I think this is the most interesting one for me is that there's players who plateau because they, uh, they're, how do I explain this? They're unbalanced in terms of their their skills acquired versus their level of knowledge. Usually there's an inconsistency. There's players who are like very knowledgeable about how the game works, but mm -hmm. then they lose a lot because they don't understand like they haven't either developed skill like skills like execution. They can't do a combo to save their life. Uh, they don't know how to do meaties. They don't understand like internally how to do certain things that are core to playing and understanding Street Fighter from like uh, a fundamental level or any fighting game really 
Uh, but then you have the people who are like your combo artists, like your combo monsters, or like they can do anything with a fight stick or a gamepad. But for some reason, they still lose because they're so predictable, or they don't do certain things and stuff like that. And so there's people who can't receive information because there's a deficiency on like either execution or in like intellect or something like that. Uh, I, I think that's also a, like they just don't have the capacity to take in the information. Um, and I've been guilty of this several times because uh, I'm more cerebral, so I know more than I can do. And so as I've been leveling up and focusing on hit confirming and a few other basics, uh, like I remember when I started learning how to do a meaty. Um, I didn't learn meaties. Like I had never done a meaty in any game on purpose until Street Fighter V, like season three. I was gold before I learned how to do my first meaty. And as I started doing that, I became, I unintentionally became vigilant to new information. I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I was in the lab. I would test out, okay, I'm going to do a random wake up and I'm going to try to do my, I'm going to react and do my wake up options on them, like my meaty setups. And so I got to the point to where I could identify which wake up they were doing, you know, back, back rise, quick rise or no rise. And I would do the appropriate um, meaty to accommodate that, you know, or, or like a mix up for them. And I realized after doing that and going to play ranked after training that for a while, I just naturally looked for that information. Like I wasn't trying to think about it actively. It's just I had trained it and all of a sudden now I'm looking at their patterns. I'm like, wait, this guy always back rises. He never, he never quick rises or, or no rises every single time. So let me just test this out. And then like one person would, you know, depending on the certain button that I knocked him down with, he started doing different rises based off of that. And I'm like, Okay, so if I train certain skills, then I just become more aware of the situation. But if I don't work on those skills, then it's very likely it's going to be harder for me to uh, comprehend what that player is doing and be able to even see the tendencies there, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that, ironically, that works both ways. Because as you're starting to develop the, the counter options to what they're doing, and you're able to sense it, obviously via experience... And via labbing and testing, you then become so much more acute to what your options are. Yes. When you first, when you first start doing stuff, and it was same with me. When I first started playing Brian, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely I'm knocking you. I'm four four and two in you. I'm four 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 in you. Like I'm I'm just hitting big hits." And it was so cool to hit. And then the more I started playing, and I started playing with players who would not let that slide. You know, mm -hmm. would not would not let snake edge go would not let me just play basic mm -hmm. or as uh or it was commonly coined to me i was playing a uh, hood tekken because i <laughs> i was just i was just going in not paying attention doing what i had to do i could get around just enough to win uh-huh but not be necessarily dominant and now i'm playing with a lot more thought and focus into uh what i can and can't do how to react you know, utilizing, you know, 360 movement a lot better, mm -hmm. understanding what I what I can get around. You know, I I'd say maybe two or three months ago, just started understanding the concept of plus and minus frames. Oh, really? Like, like I would just play and I'd be like, OK, I know this. I didn't know it as plus and minus frames. I just knew it as this gives me a little time. This gives me a little time to set up for this. <laughs> wow. Okay. This, this gives me no time. It like I in my mind it was no time or more time so I was like okay if I do this this gives me no time like I'm gonna get hit for this I didn't know it is with with punish I didn't know okies I didn't know any of that I was explaining this to somebody how 
basic my thought concept of Tekken was. And then I started playing with more experienced people Mm -hmm. and going into streams and listening to the way they talk. And they're like, oh, okay, he's doing an okie. Okay, here's 50-50. And I'm like, oh, that's what I was doing? (laughs) Like, my mind, like, multiple, multiple light bulbs just blew out repeatedly as I'm listening and learning about, okay, so... This, this right here puts me in plus, which means that, you know, this gives me an extra amount of frames and I can react better. I can do more with, I can shuffle around with, or I can just let it go just to test, you know, or as I'd call it the skill test. Cause sometimes when you play somebody, you just want to see what they can do. And then mm-hmm. if you see that's all they have to offer, then you're like, okay, time to really mess them up. Time to, time to go in on them, time to put pressure on. Let me see how they react to this. Because not everybody can handle that level of treasure. And people do it all the time. That's that mental part where you think you beat the brakes off somebody. And they're like, hey, let's run it, let's run it back one more time. And then you can't touch them. And you're like, what just happened? Mm, I've been on both sides of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting hearing you talk about that. Because like, I, I hear a lot of people who say that where they get pretty good at fighting games, but they don't know anything about frame data. And it's it's funny to me because I'm a former animator. And I've, I've worked on fighting games before, so I, I know frame data, like I understand how frame data works from a game development level uh, and then getting into competitive games after that. Uh, getting into competitive fighting games after being an animator and people talking about frame data, I was like, oh, I, I'm pretty sure I understand what that means. So like the concept of that part of it like came very, very naturally to me because I, I know how that works. So whenever I hear people talking about frame data, I'm like, let me explain it to you, please. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I want like, to help them because it's such useful information if you don't overthink it. But then mm-hmm. again, I forget that I've been looking at frames for so long that uh, you know, I've been pushing frames, animating fighting game characters that I... I probably naturally know things that other people like struggle to, to conceptualize, I suppose. Whereas other things, like I, I like that you said hood Tekken because I do think that culturally different people play differently on average based on their, I'll call it an FGC culture. Cause it could be like, you know, Japanese, Japanese FGC as a whole have a different mentality than us, but I'm sure they have different uh, divisions or, or regions that are also rivals that also have a very different play style overall. Um, like maybe more micro in terms of that location. Similarly, like West Coast and East Coast, they they have a, a different culture, like they behave differently, but they also, their play style as a whole reflects it. While you do have the different nuanced characters within that culture that might stand out. It's just an interesting oh, observation there. Oh yeah, that's like, um, you know, um, people see the Tekken region and you, you know, they they put they put Michigan in a high scope because so many Tekken players now hail from this state that originally we've always been here, mm-hmm. but we didn't get um I don't think a lot was brought to us in the realms of you know we 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 come to we came to fight we wanted to be challenged we want to be put on a bigger level yeah and so we need to start playing on these bigger levels and being more responsive and going to more events and you have people you know that are going all over these places but haven't been shot out haven't been recognized and a lot of it turns into um you know what are they what can they do different to improve and it's a lot more than just playing in-house you have to be able to go out go to these tournaments that you might not be 
comfortable with, i.e. the online the online landscape. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that knows Tekken knows. Tekken does not have the best net code in the world. It's the Harada. Uh for playing Tekken. Yeah. But at this given what we're going through and what like the chances of having a bunch of live events is not possible. Not without high scrutiny in relation to um well how could you do this during a pandemic when you know you should be aiming for people's safeties like you need to do your best to keep these players oh like an in-person one yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 i understand it's a struggle whereas, whereas you know you know to throw an online event now it's like hey if you dc you know we just we just gotta boot you you know we give we'll give you a chance to come back if you you know if you have a low code or you're not hardwired connect you know it makes it makes the event hard for both players Mm -hmm. and so you want to continue to aim towards having this thought process based in um building these players up but helping them to get notoriety and then that's probably why we've focused so hard on the online aspect over this year because a lot of these people have been now worn down mentally dealing with a pandemic, let alone now you want them to play a fighting game for 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour, two hours, stay in a tournament for, you know, you got 16 players playing best of three. Um, these games can take, you know, on a good match, unless somebody's just getting washed, you know, it's 10, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes a, a set. You know, how do you how do you account for that? How do you determine if somebody can be mentally prepared for that? And you can't until it happens.
Nope, you're good. You're good. There we go. Okay. So you were talking about mental acuity before, and uh, I think that was a really great example. And that's because, like in chess, there's a really good book. I reference this all the time if you listen to my podcast uh, called The Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin. And uh, in that book, he talks about how he's able to learn. Uh, thank you, Ian. Learn how to uh, reduce the amount of information that he's paying attention to. Because like in a fighting game, there's only so many things that you actually need to be vigilant for. If you're familiar with the situation, then you know the most possible, the most likely outcomes and what, what can't happen. And so uh, mental vigilance seems very overwhelming because you have to be aware of everything. But in reality, you only have to be aware of a, v a very small amount of things, which frees up a lot of mental space and, and goes back to the topic of uh, decision fatigue that I've talked about in the past where you're you're making so many decisions that you fatigue your brain and you can't make good decisions anymore. Your willpower is very weak, uh, which makes you more susceptible to getting tilted and, and losing even further. Uh, but yeah, so accountability is really, really huge. Um, that, that's just in a sense of like, don't focus on the negative aspect of it. Don't praise yourself for too much. That's, that's okay to praise yourself when you do right, but just look at the information without being so attached to the emotional side of it, which easier said than done i understand obviously there's also research sometimes if you just don't know something you might have to go and uh, learn it and then go back and memorize it memorization is not something that comes naturally to me so i've read like two or three books on how to memorize something because uh, i suck at it by nature but you can train it to where okay i know how to memorize this i'm gonna keep familiarizing myself like don't be afraid to look at information you've already learned in the past and be like ah yes refresher Go into the lab and try something really simple. Like, what is this unblock again? Oh, okay, I can't do anything there. Stuff like that. And then the last thing I said before is, is visualization. Um, looking, not just looking at the information available to you, but actually creating a strategy in your mind in regards to what you want to do. And uh, like I said before with Takedo, it's not just being aware of the information, but also creating something for you to anchor onto by visualizing an outcome that you want. Uh, and so that you're more familiar with that outcome. Now, obviously, there's some practice with not being emotionally attached to said outcome once you visualize it. But um, as long as you just try to have some sort of compass, those are the things that are going to help you to be more vigilant. On top of actually learning certain skills. Learning skills is always going to be good. Like learning how to hit confirm, um, practicing the art of hit confirming and making it harder and harder, you will naturally be more vigilant for that information. So when you throw out a button, you may have to remind yourself to pay attention to if it confirmed or not, but eventually that will become automatic. So certain certain things will become automatic if you actually just train the skill. Uh, anything else you want to add on there? I mean, I think we covered a lot within what it takes in regards to the mental side of vigilance, the vigilance side of mental and putting them both together. I think that we've covered a lot of topics to help people reflect on the concepts and ideas that it's it's a lot easier to beat yourself up than it is to turn something negative into a positive and i think that through having the open dialogue and discussions it's really gonna going to help mm -hmm. future future fighters uh future gamers mobile players this isn't something that is just specifically fgc related this goes towards shooters you know, missing your shot, not knowing your angles, not knowing your positioning, not knowing who's around you, not properly gauging whether you can win the fight or not win the fight, you know, and properly adjusting for your next death. You know, that's your Call of Duty. That's your Overwatch team fights. That's your 
you know, the ones where you die and have to go back in because if you don't, you lose. Mm -hmm. You know, that's your fighting games. Lost, you know, one, two, lost three. Um, and you have to play that person again. That rematch, you know, especially with Tekken. Mm. Back to that. Oh, you want a revenge match? Except 10 seconds. Yeah, I want it. Yep. Yep. You know, don't, don't you, you can't beat yourself into extinction. And even if you take a couple of losses, take that time to develop your mental, your mental mind, your mental warfare that's within yourself. Most of the time, most people beat themselves before a person gets their hands on them. Well said. I guess the last thing to add on to that is what do you got going on and where can they find you? Um, currently, I am working from home. I'm a teacher, so uh, you can catch me on uh, you can catch me on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv slash Cake with a Y underscore Monster. Um, I'm there every night playing uh, games. My main game is League of Legends, but I also do uh, Monster Hunter World, um, Among Us, Dead Cells, Wizard of Legend, Call of Duty. Basically, if a game catches my eye, I'm like, yeah, I need to play this. And I, I go at it because to me, like being a gamer is more than just the one game you play. It's about you just having a deep appreciation for everything from the cinematography to the framework to the style that they did for that game to you know the characters the development the voices the sound the music like everything that encompasses one game has so many parts to it that you shouldn't limit yourself to just that game unless you just are strictly that you know you're sponsored by Tekken then I'm you're not gonna see me play nothing else but hey hey Tekken 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 but <laughs> it's like you know Fighter. Oh yeah, you know, you have you have a defined passion for the game. And so you when you kind and I've noticed this like not to just go off subject, but when you commentate Street Fighter, mm -hmm. you can tell the way you talk, the smile, the passion, it's all there. You're like, "Oh, was that a Oh yeah, that was a that was a hard. Yep, did it to, to this to this. Oh yeah, no. No. Nope, that's getting countered. Watch, watch, watch. Yep, there's a counter right there. He's going to go in. He's going to hit this 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 and this and you you're like the John Madden of Street Fighter <laughs> because, your, because your ability to to navigate the mental landscape between the players goes a lot deeper than just what you watch. Mm -hmm. I, I love there's there's like two art forms. There's the art of the actual gameplay and like the almost like the martial arts style, but then also with martial arts, the the big part of the art is actually in the mental game of being able to anticipate what your opponent is going to do, like just creating that strategy. It's, I got to appreciate it. And I got to share that appreciation with the rest of the people. So thank you, sir. Thank you for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, as always, guys, social media, you can find me. I'll have the links in the description. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate the Patreons as well that support me for uh, doing this. I, I am still working on the Patreon benefits. I am actually getting a business coach to help me with some ideas as well. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much. And as always, I'll see you all in the next one. Mm -hmm. Thank you.